Anthony for three. Bang! Curry way downtown. Bang! Seconds. Bryant for the win. Bang! trying to get open. Fires away. Bang! It's over! Doncic pulls up. Three-pointer. Bang! Bang! It's good! Doncic wins the game at the buzzer! Welcome to the Knockdown J NBA podcast where we talk about everything in the league. I am your host, Jalen Dixon, and today we are going to be talking about NBA young cores. We got to talk about some of the young guns in the NBA as the league continues to add this talent. Teams at the bottom are starting to get scarier and scarier with every draft class, and as guys continue to step up their game, we're starting to see new superstars emerge. But this is a topic that I don't think I can do by myself. There's way too many young cores on the up on the up and coming, and there's way too many guys to show love to. So with that being the case, I had to bring on some friends with me. So I have my good friends Tyler and Joaquin here. We're going to talk about the young cores first. We're going to go through six teams, Orlando, Oklahoma City, Detroit, Houston, Cleveland, and Memphis. Those are going to be the six teams we rock with, and at the end – taking a lot of the knowledge that we built up through our conversation with the young cores, as well as taking into consideration some other guys outside of these six teams. We're each going to do an under 25 draft, but more on that towards the back half of the podcast. First off, fellas, Tyler, I'll start with you. How you doing, man? How you doing? I'm good, man. You know, just out here relaxing and enjoying one of my rare days off. Nah, I feel that, bro. That's you, you know, you know, it's a vibe where you can kick back for for once in what, like next five days, you're gonna be rocking out. So, yeah. I definitely feel it, Joaquin. You you was talking FIFA before we hopped on the pod. How you feeling? Did we get a dub? Uh, well, I I had unfortunately had to leave the game to come here. <laughs> you know, I'm getting used to this move and just trying to uh, get things situated. But I'm a little cozy now, man. You know, I just got that Saints row. I'm trying to check out that and. For sure. you know, I'll probably do like a video or something on that because it's, you know, all right, not bad. Pretty cool. No, nah, that's tough. We're definitely going to talk about some of the content you guys are working on a little bit later on, or at least where people can find you guys on social media. Well, we're going to go ahead and start getting into this Young Core conversation, and we're going to start with the Orlando Magic, man. So, obviously, first overall pick, Paulo Bancaro, balled out during Pro-Ams this entire summer has been a topic of conversation throughout the summer, not only for the surprise that he was taking number one overall when it sounded like Jabari Smith Jr. was the consensus up until the 11th hour, but then you throw on top of that some weird DeJounte Murray beef, some interesting Orlando hype around Frost Wagner and stuff. I'm going to read out a couple of guys for the roster for you, including some of the guys that re-signed most recently, and I'm going to get you guys' thoughts just generally on the team's makeup. So, Obviously, you know, Cole Anthony, Mobama re-signed, Paolo, of course. They got Wendell Carter Jr., who they also extended on um, this past summer. Mark- Markel Fultz, Gary Harris was also brought back, RJ Hampton. Jonathan Isaac is somewhere in the background looming despite the fact that, you know, he's been injured the last couple of seasons. They still got Terrence Ross, Franz, and Jalen Suggs. Tyler, I'm going to start with you, man. What are, what are your thoughts just generally on this team's makeup? Not just, like, the players in general, but, like, the direction it seems like they're trying to go. Uh, I think so far they're doing a good job. Like, I don't expect them to make, take a big leap this year. Like, maybe scratching into that, like, play-in tournament. I can see them at their top, at their max level. But I think it just really depends on 
figuring out who's going to be like the real leader of this team. Like, mm-hmm. is Cole Anthony going to step up and become that kind of leader that he seems like he could be? Or is Paolo going to come in and be take over and show he's a leader of his, just his first season? And then a lot of these guys coming back from injury, like Jonathan Isaac, Markel Fultz, just seeing a lot of like opportunity for this team to just kind of work it out and see who's going to be like their key players in this and who's going to really stick around, who's just going to be pieces to move later. No, I think I think a big point you make is about them trying to narrow down what the core even looks like, right? When you talk about this group at point guard, the log jam is nuts, right? Do we believe in Cole Anthony? What's up with RJ Hampton? Uh, is Markel Fultz the lead guy? Is he probably the best overall point guard that they have at the position? Um, that alone, I think, is going to have a big level of determination on this team's future moving forward. Because I think the point guard position, they don't lock that up proper. Yeah, you get a big time scorer in Paulo in the draft, but I think in this league with the trajectory we're heading in, if you can't get guard good guard play, look, we know the West is no joke when it comes to the guards, but the East is no slouch either. We probably get into that a little bit more as we get to some of these other teams, especially when we get to Cleveland. But I think that in the Eastern Conference. Where, you know, I mean, I mean, just in the NBA in general, there is no off night at the guard position. So not being sure what that looks like long term is going to be something that they're going to have to answer for if they're going to be able to really um, make sense of what they're working towards. Joaquin, how about you, man? Like in terms of their makeup, some of the guys that we even mentioned, like I'm a, I'm a big Jonathan Isaac believer. I, I, I think at some point. I'm going to start a TikTok series about this just being like NBA hills to die on. I think I said if Jonathan Isaac is healthy for like the last three years and I just have not been able to reap the benefits of it. But you look at the rest of this team, I feel like they got a pretty solid squad. But like, how do you feel? But how do you feel about it? Well, last year they only won 22 games. Honestly, I believe with the addition to Paolo and all these other young cats, I got to win at least like 10 more games. Only because I think that, you know, as we saw with the Memphis Grizzlies and, and even, like, the Hawks a couple, like, years like back, all these, like, young guys, once, like, they get a little bit more comfortable acclimated to the game, and once you throw in, mm. like, a, you know, that dime a dozen talent, you know, like, I think Paolo's, for me, I am hoping that he can at least reach, a, you know, like, all-star level. So if we can see flashes like that this this a year and actually really see as to why you know he was chosen number one overall then like mm-hmm. that like 10 wins is like better than just you know consistently being you know only winning 20 or so games so if we can see improvement in general the sky is the limit you know one more year of just like talent one more year of just like you know exposure to the game is going to definitely make these young guys you know stand out but i got you know Suggs and them they 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 be balling out here and there. It's just that I just think that one more year with them and them having, you know, probably like that superstar talent or or at least like that energy can really project them up. But you know, only only time will tell, honestly. No, for sure. And I think I think another good point that you make about the one year, the one more year thing too. When you look at their trajectory, like this is definitely not something that's supposed to be rushed, right? The fire sale for their team like just recently happened. Like it felt like a long time ago that they traded Vooch and they got off of Aaron Gordon and you know they they moved Evan Fournier. It felt like that was eons ago, but it's only been about a year, year and a half. And so they right. still have a lot of time to try to build up off of that. But I want to, I want to, uh, you kind of alley the point that I kind of want to lean into. So I'm going to come back to you and then I'll go to Tyler after. 
You mentioned the idea of Paulo Bancaro stepping in and being an elite guy or a, a lead guy at least for them. Um, probably more so on the offensive end, just with the way this team is built. I think they've got a couple of guys that can play on the defensive end, but I don't think Paulo's going to come in and make an impact defensively out the gate. We know that he's going to be a bucket and they're going to try to play through him. Something I thought was interesting was earlier today, uh, I found an article from Sports Illustrated in their Magic Starting Five. Um, their their segment for that and the first storyline that they pulled up was the idea of paulo bancaro being a top 10 power forward already in the nba so that got me really thinking because i thought i thought it was gas i really thought they was kind of like stepping out the face but then it got me wondering like okay who exactly is he being measured up against so i looked into um the sporting news's power rankings or I guess, uh, I guess player rankings for the power forward position just last season, right? This is going off of all 30 guys that started at the power forward position mainly last year. So at number one, they had Giannis Antetokounmpo. They had Kevin Durant at number two. Anthony Davis at number three. Zion Williamson at number four. That one's interesting because, of course, we didn't see him last year. But at the same time, we know his natural position is going to be the four. Jason Tatum at number five. Draymond Green at number six. And this is where I think the list starts getting interesting, where we can really start to have a conversation. Seven is DeMontis Sabonis. Eight was Julius Randle. Nine is Pascal Siakam. And 10 was capped off with John Collins. So first off, and I, just for honorable mention purposes, the next two guys that came up was Tobias Harris at 11 and Christos Porzingis at 12. Now, these were these rankings were made based off of last season. This was based on their circumstances of the teams they were with. A couple of these guys have moved. Kristaps is with the Wizards. Obviously, uh, you look at DeMontis Sabonis, he's with Sacramento now. So, of course, maybe there's a little bit of a change of how you feel about these guys. But based off the list that I read out, and based off what you've seen from Paulo Bancaro so far, whether it be from Duke or the offseason pro-am stuff, or just basically how you feel like he projects moving forward, do you think that by the end of the 2022-23 season, we might actually be talking about Paulo already being top 10 at his position? Uh, I'm going to just say, yeah, because you know how like the media wants to run with stuff. I really do think that he's he's going to have true flashes of just like, you know, wow, this like kid is kid is just like amazing. When you get mm-hmm. to the bottom of that top ten, you know, some of those guys are kind of, you know, like they could be interchangeable. So I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, from what we saw so far, you know, in the summer league and just like everything else, you know, mind you, he's not going against, you know, like the elite of the, you know, elite and like an actual NBA game. Those are two totally different mm-hmm. circumstances, but. I do really think, and I'm just an optimistic guy, you know, you know, call me foolish, but, you know, he could probably be in that range overall. I got him probably by the end of this year, probably no less than 15, honestly, probably circling around that top 10 pretty much. I feel like if, you, if you're going based, based off of of that list, yeah, pretty much. Tyler, how about you, bro? I think that with the way this list is made up, I'm going to kind of dig into the list a little bit after I get your thoughts. But just based off what you've heard, based off what your thoughts are about the power forward position nowadays anyway, and based on what you've seen from Paulo, do you think that by the end of the season that this is something we could be having a real conversation about? A real, real conversation? 
I mean, if he's doing, if he's doing like leadership quality things, like I'm talking about like being like the number one option day in and day out and really like trying to lead this team, I think there's a possibility for him to be like a top 10 power forward. Cause like the guys mm-hmm. at the end are more like, you know, your role players, the guys, you know, you go to when you need to, but if you can really have him just be out here and just hooping and he's actually doing what he's doing like the pro-am games pretty much. I think then yeah, maybe he could be a top ten power forward. Cause I mean, top like most power forwards. I mean, it's like really top heavy, but then it just kind of fizzled out when you got past Draymond. So, you know, it's definitely a possibility there. I think personally. Nah, Tyler, I'm not letting that slide, bro. You you being too PC for the podcast. You being too PC. You know dang well if we talk about Demontis Sabonis. Julius Randle. I'm going to let Pascal slide. I'm going to let Pascal slide because I think he's actually a little too low on his list. And John Collins, though. Nah, man. I ain't going to lie. Any of them can get this work on any given season. I ain't going to lie. When you talk about the power forward position, and you, you mentioned it a little bit by saying that after we got past Draymond, it gets a little watered down. You, you know you being nice. You know you being nice. Julius Randle, yeah. flash in the pan season. This man, John Collins, been on trade blocks for the last three seasons in a row. DeMontis Sabonis, we're going to forget about, bro, once he ends up in Sacramento. That's unfortunate, too, because I think Sacramento might be all right. And call us, call, we, we can call a spade a spade. DeMontis might have a couple fraudulent all-star games. That's my thoughts on it, you know, or whatever. But I think... I think when you really look at the list, bro, and I and okay, of course, we can't take this list to the bank. But I think that if you telling me, and there's a couple of other interesting guys in here too, like Tobias Harris, you know, Chris Stops is cool. Jaron would have been a cool one if he weren't injured, but him being out for a significant time is going to suck. I, you know, I think, you know, on this list, Evan Mobley's at 20. I think he's most likely, at, at least out of this list, to take a significant jump. He might be still, he might jump over all three of the guys I mentioned beforehand by the end of next season. Miles Bridges would have been interesting if he didn't have, you know, his little stuff. We're going we're gonna to leave it at that because we talk basketball around here. But, you know, mm-hmm. had bro, you know, had bro stuck around and, you know, been able to been in a better position to be able to get paid and go somewhere and really play this season, really ball out after getting some money. I think he would have been interesting, too. But I think when you look at the field, I think if Paulo's game translates the way we've seen in other environments if we've seen what he's done in other environments transferred to the nba level i think that he's going to be a guy who's going to be really vying for that power forward spot uh that a good a good position in that top 10 at the power forward spot only because i feel like like you said earlier like i feel like the power forward position kind of weak sauce like if we go keep it a hundred like after we and even draymond green is funny because like you know we just watched the finals let's keep it a break you know, it was it was it was light. We know it was we know it was Steph Carey job backpack on. You know what I mean? But I, I'm saying all of that to say that I I'm a guy who I think is very like big on the Orlando Magic this year because I feel like when healthy they could be a real problem. But I want to get you guys' final thoughts on the Magic in this sense. If you had to kind of look at what they did last season, who they're kind of getting back out of, you know, in the, the injury situation. Joaquin, you kind of mentioned this earlier. And you look at the addition of Paolo. Joaquin, I'll start with you first. Like, what is the ceiling for this team? 
this upcoming season? I know kind of in passing you mentioned the playing game, but like do you feel like that's a true ceiling for them? Or is that like that's like the like the best case scenario? What do you think is like a real ceiling for them though? Oh, the ceiling is probably playing. Now look, I don't think that they're gonna be in the playing this year. Um mm. that's probably they're like but like I said, they'll they'll probably with with the additions that they do have, probably win at least ten more games and that's good enough because like i said they're not in like win now mode they're, they're mm-hmm. definitely in a real mode you know and and you really only only got a small sample size of what you are betting on is going to be your like future piece because why else would you you know number one overall pick you know you usually you know are getting scrutinized more so than just like any other guy in that in that draft so it's like True. you're you're pretty much betting all your chips you had the first pick i'm pretty sure this year 10 the year after that they'll be looking at playing potentially and then moving on to you know playoffs like that you know i really think that it's probably like a three-step situation going on here mm. but this year there's they're like ceiling miraculous playing but realistically a 10 game win you know you know uh, tyler how about you bro do you think like do you think like there's a realistic case that Orlando could bump their head on the play-in tournament, or do you think this is a team that's still like a little too far away? I think they're still a little too far away for sure. Like I, don't, I think best case scenario is definitely getting to a play-in spot, but mm. for real, for real, I don't think I don't think they have it like that yet. Because I think the difference between them and a lot of these other young teams in the bet is the other young teams kind of have somebody they know they're going to already, not mm. like a rookie that they're going to. They going straight from rookie trying to rely on him, which we've all seen how that goes. It really don't go nowhere for you. So I mean, that's the main thing at the end of the day. They do like like Joaquin said, they they are about like a two, three step process, three years away from actually making some noise right now. Nah, I definitely feel that. I think that they have some good projections, right? Last season they ended as a really strong defensive team on the back end of the all-star break. They're a team that has some guys. Like we, I don't think you can look at Orlando and say they ain't got some pieces that are promising. But I think you still look at them and say like, mm, we got, we still got to see a little bit more out of them. I think even Franz was a guy who people were pretty hype about last year, and you still, you know, you're still kind of weighing your options with them. But I want to, I want to take something that Tyler said and use that as a way to transition to our next team being the Oklahoma City Thunder. And you you mentioned the idea of some of the other teams that we're going to talk about. They have a guy that's already pretty established, and it's the idea of the rest of the young core kind of moving in unison with that guy. We know with the Oklahoma City Thunder, that dude is Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Now, the dude hasn't gotten to play most of the last two seasons because they've been trying to, you know, tank out and get these picks going. But in, in junction with that, they have been able to make some decent stuff work. They re-signed Lucas Dort for a pretty lucrative deal if we keeping it a bean. Josh Giddy was pretty solid last season and showed some signs in um in summer league. Chet Holmgren, they got, you know, that which was huge. They got the two Jalen Williamses, uh, Uzman Jang. They got a couple guys that they're working with. Joaquin, I'm gonna start with you this time. Thoughts on the Oklahoma City roster. And something I actually want to talk to y'all about is just the Oklahoma City plan. Like, what are y'all thoughts about the the, the tank for the top plan that OKC is working with, with them having 8 billion picks and all this stuff like that? How do you feel about that? Overall, I kind of like the 
the Thunder a little bit because I I feel as though that they got cheated a little bit. KD left, you know, went to go get, you know, his rings. Westbrook, it was pretty much like the Westbrook show. So I mean, overall, when you when you when you think about where like they're at now, they're in a good space. You know, I really like Josh Giddy. You know, he has shown you know flashes of, you know, like he could do a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. Shay, yeah, you know, he, he he pretty good overall. If this team can 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 stay healthy and just play some good basketball, honestly, I got them being like a playing tournament. I got I got way more higher praises on the Thunder overall mm-hmm. because I don't know. I'm just looking for like that feel good like story. I really do think that those last years were just like Westbrook. He really really became about himself, you know, and because mm-hmm. OKC is in is in like a lower you know, like market, you know, like area, they don't really get that much exposure. Um, mm. Seeing all these young cats over there, how kind of just like the magic are, you know, once we start to see a little bit more of their raw potential be like utilized in a team format, mm. I really do think that they can really, really outshine and just like surprise some like guys overall. I really do think if Chet can, I'm not saying that he could be the next freaking KD or anything like that, but if he can, at least, you know, give them some good minutes, you know, probably bulk up a little bit because, you know, there are some strong guys in this league and just try to, you know, really, really be that blocker, rebounder, defender overall, and, and can still, you know, post, post up and shoot. You know, he could mm. be um, a better version of just like Kristoff, you know, honestly, if he really, mm. really stays just like healthy, I feel as though. So, like, I'm rooting for them unrealistically probably playing, but, you know, only time will tell, honestly. No, I think I think with the teams that we talk about, you know, as we get further throughout this list, we're going to talk about teams that have either, you know, had some decent playoff success or knocked their, knocked their head on the playoffs in the past season or two that are just looking to take whatever that next stride is. But we're in the early stages with a handful of these teams that are just trying to get there. And when you look at Oklahoma City, they're in a position when you look at what they're doing, they're trying to be different, right? A bunch of six, nine guys that can dribble past and shoot, run down the floor and knock down threes, just be athletic for no day reason right just be a team that can just fly around and do damage and i think that their philosophy makes a lot of sense and i think what what makes this different from like the trust the process stuff with philly is and with it goes back to something that you said about the small market thing see philly the reason why that wasn't cute over there is because we know the philadelphia market ain't about losing on purpose you know what I mean? They 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 trying to they they're trying to build winning a winning culture out there. They're trying to you know they have some hard nosed blue collar fans out there that want winning basketball. It's not to say that Oklahoma City Thunder fans don't want winning basketball, but they understand that their circumstance. They're coming from a different lane. Hey man, Philly just got James Harden, PJ Tucker, and you know and some and some guys on the squad. They can they are a little bit more attractive as a free agent destination. Oklahoma City not as much. So although this might not be like you know, the best brand of basketball, the whole tank method or whatever. If this is their best way to be able to get in the mix, I think it's fair game when you talk about the fact that they have to even the playing field a little bit. But Tyler, how, how about you, bro? Like, not not just your thoughts on, you know, the squad itself, the makeup of the team, but like, you, again, your thoughts on like this whole tanking method and how long, how much longer do you even think this can last before they got to be real? I mean, I think this is going to be like a significant year for them really because I think for them to really see some success and really like achieve some of these goals that they've been trying to achieve with all these picks and doing all that they've been doing 
I think SGA now, like this season, he should probably be an all-star for sure, like all-star level player. Um, and you really got to see like the guys like Josh Giddy and Luke Dort stepping up to more consistent and a, a more higher up level than just where they, where they were last year. Like, last year was mm-hmm. good, but now you got to be better and more consistent. And then right. you got with, with all that, at the same time, you still got guys like Chet and the other seven-foot dude they got over there. I'm not pronouncing his name. Oh, Pokusevsky? Yeah, no. Nah, we just call him Poku on the pod, bro. I ain't I ain't about to get that messed up too many times. <laughs> yeah, nah, like, you know exactly what I was talking about. But yeah, now they got these other, they got two new big dudes out here and Chet Holmgren, who looks like he's a bonafide stud out here properly. Uh, he just come in here and get to work. I mean, maybe. If you, get, if you don't get bullied down there on the block, like you probably will. But mm. I mean, honestly, all things considered, I think they're going. In, I think they're going in the right direction. I don't think they, like I said, I agree with Joaquin saying they probably be in a play-in tournament, but they have a lot more legitimate chance of doing that than Orlando does. Um, mm. Like they could have like a high seed play-in tournament. I'm talking like maybe like the seventh seed, like on a good note. Um, mm. But yeah, no, definitely. Like they have a lot of good potential. And I was like, that's just really what it is right now. I was just hoping for the best of these dudes to really work out. And then I guess after that, if it figuring out, all right, who's going to stay around, who we're going to really keep and build around this core, and who's going to move around to help further us into these, like, real playoff spots. Because you do right. still need to bring in probably like a – not a vet, but somebody who's older and got some playoff experience right. to help you get into them playoff games and really make some moves in the, into the playoffs. Because I don't think we and, have now. I think it's just a lot of young guys and Derek Favors who kind of right. Yeah, I mean, hey, yeah, you got to cap it off with Derek Favors being the vet. Yeah, you definitely are in a tough spot. But I think we've we've said his name in passing, and I think we got to talk about it a little bit. And you use the word potential, so it's kind of a good way for us to go about doing it. Chet Holmgren, right? Got injured at the cross Jamal Cross Crawford's crossover pro am this past weekend. Ankle injury went down. Didn't look like it was nothing too too crazy, but obviously my man stepped out because you know we still got a season ahead of us. Don't need to be risking it for a pro am game. But it kind of got me wondering because it was one of those things that became a big concern coming into the draft. It's something that a lot of people are still kind of you know hanging their bets on in terms of their worries about him. From a physical stature standpoint, I'm already seeing the stick man memes from Bugs Life popping out. People already trying to get their jokes in after the injury happened. And it kind of really got me wondering, like, Tyler, start with you and stick with you, like, with this. What are your thoughts on Chet Holmgren at the next level in terms of not just what you've heard on the negative end, right? Because it's very easy to talk about the size, very easy to talk about the the great centers he's going to have to go up against. But I think there's a lot of stuff that we saw that was real translatable, especially in summer league, that I feel mm-hmm. like could, could, and that's a really strong word to use when you talk about a guy of this build, but could really work. So what are your thoughts on Chet as a player? Because I feel like with this season – a lot of whatever OKC is working towards is going to have to be on the back of what does Chet Holmgren look like. Yeah, no, I, I feel like the best thing Chet has right now is the fact that I know he, I remember him saying he knows who he is as a player. Mm. Like he knows his own flaws and weaknesses and knows his strengths better than anybody else does. So it's like, it's like we are, he already know he's small. He already know he's skinny. 
you already know what you already know you're gonna have to deal with bam out of bio throwing that throwing down on you back there. <laughs> like you know you have to do these big like these big dudes who's seven foot and two hundred pounds and you ain't but a buck ninety. Like like it's like you already know what you're getting yourself into at the end of the day, but mm-hmm. like like you got people like Cap Conathan Town, best shooting big man of all time right now, we saying. <laughs> I mean, now it's like, all right, if that's gonna be your game, let your game do the talking at that point. It's like it's like, all right, if you if if you gonna get if you gonna be like down low and you gonna get worked on down there, at least come back on the offensive side and do your thing on the offensive side and show mm-hmm. all right, I deserve I still do despite my flaws, I still deserve to be this top three pick at the end of the day. Right. And I think that's just how it really gotta be for him at the end of the day, for him to really help elevate this team to a new level. Like, this is just his first year, so, I mean, don't get me wrong, there's definitely pressure, but, mm-hmm. I mean, you could, I could definitely see him being like, all right, I average like 10, and I expect some 10, almost 10 rebounds, so let's say about like eight rebounds, and then definitely some blocks and everything. You know, I mm-hmm. expect, you know, solid stats in your first year, not like no all-star type numbers, but I think he mm-hmm. can get to that point at some point. Yeah, and I think, I mean, I think the great point that you made was about the attitude going in. I think that Chet Holmgren has the kind of moxie to go into. This is the same guy that right before being drafted, he said he's going to be the best player in the league once he gets in the league. This is a guy who is already feeling pretty confident about his ability. And despite the fact that we haven't seen it on that pro level, we've seen it. Of course, we saw it in spurts with, with Summer League, and we got some pretty good takeaways from it. But there's also a handful of things that we were able to like end up you know, working with where um, pretty much essentially Chet Holmgren is in a situation where I think he can really build off of what we've seen and be better. But Joaquin, what are, what are your thoughts about everything in terms of Chet Holmgren's game translatability-wise and just his fit on this team for real? I think that he's going to fit nicely in this team. Um, I just – my whole concern is, is yeah, he's only like a buck ninety. Um, and he has to get a little bit bigger. He has to get some like muscle personally, you know, if he can get probably at least like 20, 25 pounds, you know, bigger, probably like 20. I don't know realistically how the weight situation goes, but like either way, he just, he just needs to bulk up overall. Cause like he is going to be getting body down there. And like I said, like he's only 20 years old. So like, he's a, he's a little you know, young adult going against, you know, grown, you know, like grown men in this league. So it's like, mm. like he is going to get dinged up. He is, he is going to be, you know, I'd say, you know, not play all of the games this year. So it's really, really, you know, this like first year is just basically filling it out. You know, I don't really expect mm. him to go too, too crazy. Just like what um Tyler said, you know, we do expect like some, you know, adequate numbers going on here, you know, just some good, you know, projected base. That way that next year, you know, hopefully he will train and get and get a little bit, you know, bulked up. And then we're going to be like, all right, okay, cool. This guy's actually, you know, serious. So let's just, you know, go in this year with, with a slight grain of salt because I do see that his like consistency may be like an issue only due to his stature. Yeah. And I think a good point that you make overall is just going to be seeing what sticks out first, right? Like, I mean, obviously a lot of his highlights, like Zaga come on the defensive end, the the multiple blocks, the six plus blocks in a game, the, you know, the pull up threes on the fast break. Obviously he can, he can, 
He's a bit of a high flyer. It's not crazy athleticism, but we know the size makes it where he can be an above-the-rim athlete. He's got a smooth little handle. There's things that he can build upon, but it's going to be interesting to just see, like, okay, which part of him translates to the NBA soonest? Which one seems to work the soonest? Is it going to be his ability to step out and shoot three? Is it going to be his ability to step out on the perimeter and guard guards? Is it going to be just him being, you know, a Rudy Gobert type that, you know, hovers around the paint and just plays, you know, keep away pretty much in terms of, you know, blocking, you know, and deterring guys from coming into the paint in general. It's going to be interesting to see what version of his game really translates moving forward in terms of what hits first. What hits first, I think, is going to really define a lot of what's going on with, you know, his game moving forward. And like you said, building upon that, not just with the stature thing, but kind of just like where does he fit in the league, you know, overall? Like what is his skill set really – what is, what is his skill set really set up for him moving forward? Um, and I think that's a great way to transition to the Detroit Pistons, who I think are in an interesting year with Kay Cunningham because this is oddly the quietest sophomore season for a number one overall pick that I think we've ever had, or at least in recent memory. Like, everybody's hype about rookie of the year, Scotty Barnes. What is him in Toronto doing? Or is he going to be in a trade for Brooklyn? Obviously certain things have changed with that. And Masai has made it pretty known that he's an untouchable. You also look at Evan Mobley. A lot of people thought that Evan Mobley arguably should have been rookie of the year last year. And it's going to be a guy that at the offense comes, you can make his own, you can make the other argument right there that he might be their best player, despite the fact that it was Darius Garland that made the all-star team last year. There's a lot of hype around those guys. There's a lot of hype around a couple of other rookies in other situations. Um, uh, I mean, sophomores, rookies and sophomores, really, in other situations. But Kay Cunningham is a guy who played really solidly last year around a supporting cast that really didn't fit the skill set of what he needed next to him. I'm talking about Killian Hayes. That's neither here nor there. They get Jay Nivey in the draft. They still got Sadiq Bey. They get Jalen Duran in the draft as a high flyer for them. They still got a couple of heads. Isaiah Livers. They get Nerlens Noel. They still got Kelly Olynyk. Isaiah Stewart's mean ass is still on the team. You know what I mean? Like, they still got some, they got some players that they can really work with. So, with that being the case, Joaquin, I'm going to start with you again. What are your thoughts on Detroit's makeup right now with where this team is headed? You know, they got a backcourt with Cade and Jaden, and it seems like they're trying to fill out the rest. But... As much as it seems like they've got a real starting backcourt moving forward, and they might actually have the most questions out of the teams that we've talked about so far. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, um, yeah, I don't have high hopes on this team personally. As you said, I'm still pretty <laughs> much filling out this team myself. You know, usually, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not gonna say usually, but like with the other teams that like we have talked about, we have seen like a clear. I feel like sign of just like actual progression or 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 just at least like the game plan seems a little bit more like solid or just like fleshed out overall um given that they have a little bit more in terms of their like young core a lot more potential i see versus like this young core it's kind of like mm-hmm. ah what do you really really make of this overall you know um right. i really do think that you know i i said the magic could probably win 10 more games <sighs> pistons could probably win like 2 to 5 more honestly i don't know you know what i mean it's it's just that it's the league is just changing and 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 a lot of these teams are just getting better and better and this team right here i really think that they're in kind of like an impasse and it would be a shame if they would waste like their number one overalls 
you know, like priming youth on this team if they can't really get some solid players up, players mm-hmm. around. I think that going going forward, probably getting some like solid vets that have like playoff experience or just trying to land like a nice veteran piece in order to get these young 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 guys, you know, wrapped about wrapped around the idea of like winning basketball. Um, mm-hmm. So, um, not really high hopes for this team. Um, We'll see if um, Cade can stay, you know, healthy overall and just really be that, you know, solid leader and uh, and just hope for the best. But I don't really see a lot of, you know, crazy. You know, I don't I don't have them a playing team at all. Unfortunately, I really think that they'll probably, you know, be a little bit lack lackluster this year. Probably land another top five piece and then be mm-hmm. in the discussion of like, okay, cool, you know let's see what this team really got because they got a lot of young raw players that could you know borderline on that all-star level yeah and i think you make a really good point about like just directionally like it does seem like this team still is in a they're only as good as Cade can carry them kind of situation um they've made small strides with that getting Jalen Duran, i think is huge but i don't even think he's going to start over isaiah stewart who i think is promising but there's still there's still stuff to be desired with that, especially with the you know the age of the the stretch big and everything like that. I think Isaiah Livers is going to play a little bit more at the power forward spot, which should be interesting. I think Sadiq Bay is solid, but I think that like we know who Sadiq is, like we've seen what Sadiq is, and I don't know if there's really another gear for that. Jaden Ivy is going to be interesting because I think that he might be able to unlock a different gear for this team that we haven't seen. Um, at least not yet from this team, especially putting another athlete next to Cade. We saw him, we saw Cade at LK State make, you know, water into wine when it came to just playing around athletic guys. No, not no real floor spacing, no real shooters, no real ball handlers, really. I think it, only like Avery Anderson or whoever it was at point guard was the only guy who was really a strong ball handler. But outside of that, it was a lot of Cade Cunningham making things happen. And I would say that Detroit is kind of oddly in a similar circumstance with the way they're built. And Jaden Ivey might be the first step towards taking a little bit of that pressure off. Tyler, I want your thoughts on this team in terms of their makeup and stuff, because I feel as though this is a squad that's got a good foundation with a handful of the guys that they have. But although that base is strong, again, like like Joaquin was saying earlier, it still feels like the directional the, the, the pathway for this is still like murky water. It definitely isn't there yet, but I think they're on the right path. Um, mm-hmm. Like you said, getting a guy like Jay Ivey was huge. And I think getting a guy like Jalen Duran was huge. Like I think they really killed it in this draft of, on trying to build this team around Kate. Like you mm-hmm. gave him some guys who can jump. And some guys who can handle their own, like which I think is what Jaden Ivey will end up being. I think Jaden Ivey is like that perfect pair for Cade right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have like you have Kimba Walker over there mentoring two of them to try and be better versions of themselves. I'm assuming, but you have them there unless you unless they plan on trading them at the end of the day. But you yeah you have Jaden Ivey and you have Cade. I think those two could probably be end up being like you said a solid backcourt where. They can both do their own thing. Like Jaden Ivey gives me like Jamal Murray, Donovan Mitchell kind of vibes right now. Where mm-hmm. when he starts getting going, he can get going and start really like really uh, become a bucket out here. But on a day to day, you probably gonna get 
some easy lays to the hoop that he consistently has been getting since I saw him back in Purdue. Like getting that same exact just layup straight at the rim every single time. So, I mean, that's kind of what I expect him to do, uh, you know, coming into this first year is get his feet wet with that. But I think this team is really just in this like land of opportunity state right now. Because then you have like these slightly older guys who haven't proven anything. Like Marvin Bagley hasn't proven anything yet. But there's opportunity now to just play. Because you're not really playing for winning at this point. Like I said, I agree with Joaquin. I don't think they're really doing much of anything this year. But then you uh, have Kevin Knox. Ain't proven nothing. Kelly Olynyk <laughs> hasn't proven nothing. So, I mean, it's like, it's like you, you got guys on this team who just trying to, like, like one last ditch ever to say, oh, yeah, I deserve to be in the NBA. But I would love to see Marvin Bagley come out here and be a stud that we all thought he was going to be back when he was in high school. So, right. you know, things like that, I mean, it's just kind of they in this weird time where they're not really going to win many games. But, I mean, I think they're on the right track with their – potential future star and then potential future core right there right now if they if that pans out for them. Yeah, I mean I think I think we're all in agreement that like they have they're working with something. They 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 have a good start to whatever it is that they're working on. And I obviously I think a, a big part of this was just like we almost got a bit of a wasted year last season with the whole Jeremy Grant situation. A lot of us kind of thought that he was going to be moved off of sooner. And it took until the offseason to actually create that real trade option. Had maybe most of that last season, they were able to see what the team was operating like without Jeremy on the team. It would have been a little bit more clear maybe what we what we're going to see next season and how a guy like an addition of Jaden Ivey, for example, really works within that. But instead it's still a little bit hypothetical because I feel like we still haven't seen like Cade Cunningham's full back package, you know, as an offensive player, especially at the lead guard position. So I think there's still just a lot of questions with Detroit in terms of just how they're going to operate, especially when you look at the fact that now this is their first real year. Tyler, you mentioned this a second ago, their first real year to just go and hoop. Basically, the idea of just kind of seeing what you're working with and getting an understanding for like, okay, so who sticks, who's good at what, who fits best around Cade, because obviously he's the lead man. He's already taken a lot of leadership responsibility on this team from what we saw last season. And I think he has the chance to kind of build upon that now that this team is actually embracing you know, a youth movement. Yeah, there's some of these old guys that are in here, but for the most part, those were kind of, you know, sacrificial lamb dudes that got put in the the trade in order to be able to send Jeremy Grant out. But at the end of the day, they're expiring contract guys that are going to be good for locker room presence, but not, you know, real long-term dudes. So I think Detroit is in a weird spot because of the fact that I think there's still so much that we have to see about them and so many guys that could be this, but their floor could be a lot lower than wherever their ceiling is. Um, For example, Jalen Duran, I think is a guy who has like, mad boom bust potential. I think if he goes off, he's going to be crazy. But I think he could also be a guy that because of his lack of defensive awareness and the fact that he kind of leans on being strong as hell and stuff like that and just being able to run jump, uh, you know, run and jump better than other people. Sometimes I think he plays with that physicality and relies on that too much. That's something where maybe if he becomes a more refined player, it could be scary hours. Um, But I want to talk about another team that I think you know, we're, we're rounding out the real youth movement portion of this podcast before we get to the guys who are a little bit more established in the league, still part of, you know, young cores that are going to be dangerous down the line. But these teams, these first four teams that we're talking about are teams that are still a little ways away. That last team that we're going to talk about in this portion is the Houston Rockets. 
Um, so of course we know the big one, Jabari Smith Jr. Very interesting to see that he was able to fall to him, to them after being projected as the number one overall pick. They also got Tari Tari Eason uh, out of LSU and Ty Ty Washington out of Kentucky. We know what some of the guys that they're already working with in terms of Jalen Green, Josh Christopher, Kevin Porter Jr., uh, Uzman. You know what I mean? In general, they've got some guys that they're really working with. And you might even be able to make a strong argument that of the group that we've discussed so far, they might have the most talented young roster moving forward. I think that's a debate. I don't think that I'm not necessarily sure if that's true, but out of the teams that we talked about so far, I think there's a strong case that you can make that as a roster top to bottom, they might have the best young core of this group in terms of just talent alone. I think OKC might have something to say about that, but that's going to have a lot to do with certain guys like Josh Giddy and Chet and them holding up. But uh, Tyler, I'll start with you this time. What are your thoughts on the Houston Rockets makeup um, they still have a guy in Eric Gordon as a trade chip, which is going to be pretty interesting to see what they decide to do with that. And it's going to be interesting to see if they even choose to, because it sounds like they're not really in a rush for it. But of course, Jalen Green in year two, I think he's going to be much more motivated in year two to really build off of the second half of his season where he really exploded as an offensive weapon. And I think they've got some guys who can really hunker down on defense now. When you talk about Jabari, bringing back, Jay, making sure Jay Sean Tate's locked up on long-term, Tari Eason. I think they've got some interesting guys on the team. So how do you feel about them? Uh, I think they're, like you said, in this state, just like the rest of them, in this like weird spot where they're just trying to figure out what's their direction still. Like Jalen Green is definitely a good option, but it still hasn't really been seen to tell if he's going to be that number one option or that number two option. But adding mm-hmm. a guy like Jabari Smith to this team kind of will, will help take the weight off his shoulders a little bit. Because I think last year, all the weight kind of being on him because there was nobody else to really be like rely on. It, you know, I think it got a little bit much for him last year. Uh, so I think potentially having somebody like Jabari Smith come in and take some, him take some of that weight off, maybe he's that number one player that you need. And maybe he's the player that you need to start, that we need to start building around from there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's a lot to be seen. And they definitely have this log jam at point guard as well. Kevin Porter, Ty Ty. And I know they got like two other dudes over there. Mm, yeah, Dacian. They got a handful of guys. Yeah. Yeah, they, they got a lot of like guys who can play. Uh, and what's Josh Christopher is over there as well. I know mm-hmm. he can hoop. Like they just got, they got a lot of guys who can hoop. Like you said, they, they're pretty deep in that department of guys who can play ball. But who's actually going to be like, significant here is what they're really trying to figure out right now in my opinion so yeah i mean that's really it for them i mean i don't expect them to really do deep playoff runs this year either i think expect them to be right back in the lottery and getting another good piece to add to this team yeah no i i feel you and i think another thing like when you really look at the squad was you know you mentioned the idea of Jalen Green kind of being like in, you know, his own little island because it was like, who was he working around? I think I think they had the talent last year, but there was a lot of questions and like around it and confusion, right? You're still playing Christian Wood over Usman Garuba. I mean, uh, not Usman, over uh, Alperen Shingun, who they're probably going to start at like four, the four or the five this season. Like you said beforehand, with the point guard thing, 
is Kevin Porter Jr. really even a point guard for this team, right? They really like experimented with that idea a bit more last season, more so than they did the year before. Um, I think the Eric Gordon thing is going to be interesting because if he's going to soak up minutes in the starting lineup, then that's something where you have to look at, okay, what does the developmental pipeline look like for them? I think Jabari and Tari are going to come in and just be asked to Tari's probably going to be asked to play defense and run the floor and get easy buckets. I think Jabari is going to be a guy who's going to be asked to play defense and please shoot the lights out of the three like you did at Auburn. I think that I think they're going to come in with, despite especially Jabari being a guy who was projected as go number one, of the, the three teams, Orlando, OKC, and Houston, I think that Jabari might come in and actually be asked to, to do the least for his team. I think he's going to be the guy that's going to get the most – of an opportunity to just learn. I think, of course, OKC is kind of just throwing things at the wall and seeing what sticks. But I think at the same time, a lot of where they're going to go moving forward is going to have a lot to do with Chet. I think with Paulo, I think they're going to try to feature Paulo early, which means he's going to have a lot of responsibility. On the other end, I think Jabari's going to have to earn it. I think because Jabari's still such a raw prospect, there's still going to be a lot that he has to build upon where they're not going to try to thrust him into a lead scoring role right away. Um, but Joaquin, how about you, man? In terms of the Houston Rockets, your thoughts on the roster construction, the little bit of talent they got going right now, and you know what you're looking at for them moving forward this season. I think they're in a good spot overall. Like you said, I really don't think that Jabari is going to be, you know, asked to, you know, have the same. What's the word I'm looking for? Just like, just the expectations are just totally different overall. I really mm-hmm. think that he's probably in the best position for like his his own career wise and just like his own development because, mm-hmm. like you said, they're not really asking for the world. You know, Paolo, they're, they're going to need to be expecting things of him. Even like Chet, they're going to be wondering how is he going to be utilized in this, you know, like role. I think that he's going to come in with the chip on his shoulder to really prove to just like everybody as to why you should have, you know, basically bet on me. So like, I I don't see them being a playing tournament, a tournament team this year. Um, just like with the magic, they'll probably win probably 10 games at the most and just, you know, probably still fall in line and try to get another lottery piece. Um, mm. But the sky for this team is, 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 it's just as high as if OKC, they're just probably still a couple more years away from where like I could see OKC being, but just in a good direction, probably in the next like three to four years, probably like a solid team that's going to really, really attract like some nice um, nice vets and just probably mm-hmm. make them more like a compiled team, um, just like as the seasons progress. But you know, overall at the most max ceiling to 10 wins, honestly. Yeah, I mean, I feel like Houston is in a really interesting spot. They're a team that I think from a building block standpoint, like you said, I think they might be lockstep right there with OKC because of the fact that, you know, they got the they've got the draft capital for it. I think that because they're in Houston, they have the market where if they want to go hunt a big fish and make a big trade, they might be able to go hunt for somebody and be actually an attractive destination for somebody like that who might still be, you know, in their prime pre-30 that might want to come in and be around, you know, a young growing core and build something off of that. I think they're in a situation where you could also argue that out of the the four teams we've already discussed, they might have the most 
uh, flexibility in terms of deciding to, okay, we'll just continue to build with the young squad we have, or, Hey man, let's start to kind of like, let's kind of flip the tide a little bit and make that, make that trade that'll put us into the playoff contention that way, as opposed to, you know, everything being grassroots built. So I think that Houston's really interesting because they have a lot to work with and their market definitely helps them. But let's talk about a team that's market is not as favorable, but I would argue has really dug themselves out of the deep. I feel like it's a really good way to put this. And that's the Cleveland Cavaliers, right? Last season, just barely missed the playoffs. I would argue that if Jared Allen wasn't, you know, facing a lot of injury on the back nine of the season, there was a lot of injuries for Cleveland, by the way. I think if you, as you look across the board, it kind of started with Colin Sexton and then it snowballed. You know, Ricky Rubio gets nicked. Um, obviously, Karis LeVert came in and was, you know, almost dead man walking not to be funny with him but this is a guy who you know we were wondering whether or not he was going to actually be able to play last season after what he was facing I think it was like his heart or something and of course Jared Allen faced an energy that had him out for a significant amount of time but you know Jared Allen was a all-star caliber player last season same thing with Darius Garland this Colin Sexton thing is a little tricky but we're going to get to that in a second I'm gonna start with the actual Cavs fan Tyler, thoughts on the Cavs, not only just their building blocks, but what you saw last season and how they can build upon that heading into next season, you know, second year of Evan Mobley and, and so on and so on and so forth. I think this year is just really just building on what we started last year. Like last year is like a whole bunch of good signs on what's to come um, mm-hmm. in the direction we're going in. I think we have the pieces that we need and it's just developing now. Uh, like Evan Mobley, I think he should have been rookie of the year, of course. You know, mm-hmm. that was my but you know, it is what it is. But now, nah, I mean, we play like really good basketball, like all around. Like, I'm talking off the bench play, I'm talking the starters are playing and work really well, you know. And then, like, with all the injuries we had, we were still doing well. So it's like, all right, now if we can really come back with a healthy squad and do what we did last year with all of our team back and everything. I think it could be really good. And I know, you know, we were saying we're going to talk about the whole concession thing. And don't get me wrong, I definitely want concession on the team. But I do understand probably why they're holding out. Because now it's like, all right, don't get me wrong, concession is that workhorse guy that every team wants. It doesn't matter where he plays, he's going to give you 110%. So mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, everybody's going to want that kind of guy. But at the same time, it's like now that he's been hurt, and you already have your point guard who's going to be starting. And mostly, probably for this team, he could probably be out of there. Uh, he's probably talking about six men, maybe. Mm, that's uh, where a lot of people talk about it. Yeah. I was saying, really, and that's just being realistic. Even though he has, like, case made to be a starter on, on, the, on a lot of the teams, it's like, all right, are you going to pay him all this money to be your six men? Right. Um, and that's just being real. I mean, I guess, and especially come off the injury, it's kind of like, all right, do I want to, how, how are you really going to come? How, how are you really coming off of an injury like that? So, mm-hmm. so what, 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 I'm going to say it was an ACL injury, right? If I remember correctly. Oh, yeah. It was, they took him out for the year. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I would say, yeah. So, I mean, there's definitely like a, all right, now I got to see what you're coming with, and I don't want to just pay you all this money, and I get half the man I had before. Right. So, uh, it's understandable. It's sad. Because, you know, definitely this horrible timing for it all for him. Mm-hmm. But all in all, as far as the Cavs and their direction that they were that were building in, 
I think we're in a really good spot. I think I, I do like our draft pick that we got. I can't pronounce his name to save my life, but I do like my draft pick. Um, I, I do like him, and I wonder, I don't know if he's going to come in and really just be that player we need in that small forward spot, which is just a black hole right now for us when it's been since LeBron's been gone. I mean, mm-hmm. we try to fill in that hole with guys like Seti Osman and Isaac Okoro, and none of those guys have really stepped up to that position, and I think that's what's really stopping us from going to, like, this Memphis Grizzlies level, who we talk about next. But mm-hmm. I think, like, for us, a lot of our – what we get beat at is right there in that middle, in that small forward position. Like, there's nobody – we don't really have nobody to stop those guys in that position. Like, most of our big guys are taking up, taking on the other big guys, and most of our little guys too small to guard them. Mm-hmm. So – I, I do hope our new pick can come in and help us in that position because that's what we that's what I think really we're missing right now is that somebody can just be I can come in and just take your best player now I can come in and contain I'm not gonna say stop but contain you know the Jason Tatum the Luca the KD the LeBrons like I mean do something because I don't think like having guys like Isaac Okoro and Say Osman is just free cheese over here. <laughs> you know they doing whatever they want. We can't. We can only do but so much. We can keep in the game, but we can't. Like when you got guys going off for 30, 40 on your head, it's kind of like, all right, I can't really do too much now. So right. yeah, I mean that's where I would see us right now. I, I definitely think we in a good path. Though. I definitely see us like in the playoffs securely, not playing tournament this year. Mm. I see us definitely like five, six seed. No, I think I think you guys are going to take significant strides because of the fact that I think the defense is real. I think that was something that we wondered about a lot last season, especially with the three big lineup. Like you mentioned, the three spot for y'all was so dormant. Y'all were running Laurie marketing at the three, bro. Like, let's keep it a buck. Like, that's definitely a spot that's going to be pretty challenging for them. I'm going to I'm going to switch over to Joaquin real quick and I actually want to come back to you about the small forward position because there's some rumblings about that. Obviously, there's certain circumstances that have changed a little bit, but we're going to talk about that a little bit just because I think that that is the unlocking piece and I want to get a perspective from a Cavs fan about something that that's been on my mind. But first, I want to talk uh to Joaquin about this team in the sense of from okay, now we go from a fan to somebody who comes from the outside perspective. You look at this team, um, some made the argument that going for the Karis LeVert trade was a win-now move that maybe was a little too early for Cleveland. Some believed that the two-big lineup, the three-big lineup was just a little too big, and it actually ended up working out a lot a lot better than expected. This was a team that took really big strides with Jared Allen and Darius Garland as their main pieces. And I think that a guy who is really due, I said this earlier when we talked about you know, the power forward rankings was Evan Mobley. I think he's a guy who's going to now in year two, maybe be able to really assert himself as an offensive weapon. They've got pieces that I think are the makeup of what can be a real uh, perennial playoff team. But what what are your feelings about it, especially when you factor in that three spot being such a hole? And let's, let's talk about it. The fact that Darius Garland really is like the only person who like creates offensively for them. I mean, obviously, Colin Sexton, we'll see how that goes. Karis LeVert, hit or miss. Oshai Baji's the guy who they got from Kansas in the draft. He's a guy who kind of was picked for that purpose. We got to see how it comes in practice, though. So, like, factoring all of that in, like, so how do you feel about the Cavs? Well, 
as an outside non-Cavs fan, I really think that they're going to probably be a fifth or sixth seed too as well. You know, maybe even fourth, you know, who knows. But overall, I think that this team plays with the chip on their shoulder, you know, and that's good team building basketball right there overall. Um, I really do like all the pieces that they have done. I like the I, I like the emergence of their younger, you know, like stars going out there and really, really balling out. Um, um, overall, I mean, I'm in agreement with like Tyler overall. I think that one more year underneath their like belt as a team consistent, um, especially because um, Karis Levert, he was injured. I mean, coming back, I really think that he could really be like a really good piece too as well. Um, we can see what um, Colin will do, but with him overall, I, I really think that they may shop him before the trade deadline, if he is still on this team. Mm-hmm. Um, but just overall, I, I, I got them being at least like fifth seeds, six at the least. Um, if they can stay healthy, if this team really, really strides up, and just like, as you said, that they are really filling in a piece at the three, you know, they're going to be potentially a little bit more consistent. Um, you're not really asking a lot from your, like, younger guys, but just to still be them, themselves because they, like, have, like, shown, like, you know, flashes of just, like, you know, greatness. So let's just uh, continue that, like, a trajectory and, and let's just actually, you know, be where they should have been last year um, given that they did have some, you know, injuries on that later half. So, mm. you, know, you know, I got them being a solid uh, playoff team. Are they going to win a series? I don't really know about that, Tyler. But, you know, getting there and actually being like a legit playoff team could be, you know, beneficial. And honestly, you never know, man. We just seen some of these young teams go out there, ball out, and you just like, dang, man, like, I didn't see that coming. You know, like Memphis, for just like example, a couple of years back with the Hawks. I mean, the Hawks made it to – then they make it to the um, – Eastern Conference Finals, yo. Yeah, or, so, yeah so, so it's like, you know, like it's like, you know, it, it – Sky's the limit for, like, a lot of these, like, teams. I'm just excited to see some good basketball, some good team basketball. And, uh, yeah, playoffs for the Cavs this year. I really, really am glad that they they really got out of that LeBron James bubble, you know. Mm-hmm. It ain't really about, you know, you know LeBron and they laughing and boom. Like, no, like, they're good right now. They're good. So let's just continue this, like, path. And they're in a good spot overall than a lot of these, like, other teams because they're – honestly, I feel like – you know, more so win now mode, but like a more so win now mode of like, let's win some playoff games. Let's get that experience underneath our belt. That way that we can probably, you know, either groom what we got and then look towards free like agency in order to get a couple of like, you know, key vets in order to really make this team solid, you know? Mm. Like it goes to show that, you know, you don't need a big three. You really need a good solid team with a bench that can really be able to, you know, score, still keep that defensive pace throughout the game. So, um, you know, we'll see this year. But overall, I think five or six, it would be, you know, their, like, ceiling. So, Tyler, I'm going to stick with you for a second. We're going we're gonna to go through two questions. I want to start with one first, being us addressing that whole small forward thing, because I really want to talk about it from this sense. I think that the small forward situation for this team is going to be the biggest detriment for the ceiling of this team. I think that Evan Mobley's ability to come along offensively is probably the second most important thing. Some would maybe even argue it's the first. 
But I think that hole as small forward, especially when you look at some of the depth that you guys have at the guard spot, right? Rubio, when he comes back, Raul Neto, I think is a good guy who can you know, fill in minutes there. Uh, Karis, Colin, Darius at, at the top. Uh, I think that, you know, having Agbaji around, I think is going to be pretty good as well. Um, you mentioned Isaac Okoro, who has been playing a lot of two and three for them. They they've got the guard spot. They've got the guard spot locked down in terms of depth, but it seems like that hole at the three is just gonna be glaring until it's actually addressed. So my first question to you as a Cavs fan is like, what is your concern level about like the true competitiveness of this team as long as that position is mainly occupied by them having to rely on Laurie Markin in the start, for example, or Chetty Osman, for example, to soak up a lot of the minutes at the three. Like, what what do you feel like? Like, what like what do you what is your confidence level knowing that's what you're working with right now? Despite the fact that again, we know you have all star caliber players around that. Like, I think definitely it's gonna be the downfall. Like, what keeps us from being like a championship contender mm. on these days? Like. And what I like, I, I agree with what, what Joaquin said earlier, where Connor Sexton probably, if he didn't stays on this team, I think he ends up becoming a piece to get that piece that we need. Because mm. it doesn't make sense for us to really go out and get another big man. It doesn't make sense for us to go get another guard. So it's like the only thing we need to do is fill this piece. And at some point, you you do have to start selling these pieces that you have because you do have a few desirable pieces on this team and you have depth. So you have play, you have things to work with here to move around and make moves. So I mean, I don't know who that piece may be, but honestly, it don't, it don't need, you don't need it to be a superstar. That, that, that's the good thing. You you could get a solid role player to just come in there and be like, all right, I can come in here, play defense, and give you a three. A three and be small forward for the team would do very nicely right now. <laughs> I would come in here, hit some shots for you, and come in and play defense on a lot of the really good players that we can't defend right now. Mm. I mean, like, who we, we don't got nobody to stop Jason Tatum. Like, let's let's be real. We don't got nobody to stop Luka Doncic. We don't got nobody to stop Kevin Durant. So I mean, we run into these guys. It's kind of like, don't get me wrong. We can stay in the game, but fourth quarter come, these dudes shooting lights out from the three. We ain't got nothing against it. Like we can throw, we can throw Evan Mobley at them. We can throw Lower Markin at them. But these are guys who can shoot over seven footers at this point. Mm. So I mean, you can throw our best defensive things because, like we said, we're a good defensive team all around, but that hole there is very glaring. And right. with a lot of the top teams, that's where their strength is. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you can't stop the best player, the best player on the best team. It's gonna like, how are you gonna win this game? You know, so like, you can take out all the other pieces, but you can't take out the best player. It's just kind of like, all right, well, you just unlocking all my superpowers and you just let him go crazy. <laughs> Okay, so the other question I want to ask you is because I don't want Evan Mobley to get lost in the shuffle. And again, I mentioned him as probably maybe the second most important piece that uh, is going to be a focal point in this upcoming season, or at least I believe should be. And it's about the offensive capability of Evan Mobley um, next year, continuing to take that stride. Again, this is a guy who finished the year second in the rookie of the year race last year let's kind of let's kind of contextualize the season he had so dude finished the season with 15 points a game 8.3 rebounds 2.5 assists shot 50.8 percent from the floor 
Not a guy who stepped out beyond the arc much, but did on the defensive end. Obviously showed signs of being able to guard on the perimeter. Was good as a rim defender, averaging almost two blocks a game. This is a guy who showed a lot of promise, really on both sides of the floor. But I think the offensive ability of Evan is the thing that is going to unlock the next stage of this team if we're just talking about the roster as currently constructed. Of course, that small forward thing is huge. But if we're talking about what the guys that are on this roster as said, in terms of taking that next step in terms of um, in order to help continue elevating this team, I think Evan Mobley's ascension on that side of the ball, because we know who he is defensively, the ascension that he takes or or if he doesn't take, I feel like that's the that's going to be the big question is going to have a lot of impact on how the season goes. So my first question to you, and I know it's probably a little bit easy to be optimistic, but I still want to ask you is what is your belief that Evan Mobley can take that offensive leap this upcoming season, right? And then my the, my the two-parter to that is what do you think a more aggressive offensive uh version of Evan Mobley does for this team moving forward? Like what do you think him being much more prolific on the offensive end helps this team do yeah. more next season? Yeah, so I definitely agree that I think to really go to this next level, I think Evan Mobley has to step into a new realm of being like a really aggressive scorer. But I think for that to happen, I think you kind of, like you probably won't see an all-star Jared Allen again, most likely, because I think you're going to have to take away some of his possessions to give it to, to Jared Allen. But I think what Jared Allen could be is just somebody who can – you can give the ball to and let them do work down low. Mm. Like, just like one of them, like, no wrong, not playing like Shaq, but one of them Shaq kind of guys, just giving the ball, get out the way kind of thing. So, mm. so it's like, we've seen him do really good in the post, you know, just be able to just get down there, get up his shot, whether it's like going away from the basket or going towards the basket. He mm. can pretty much get the shot wherever he wants inside the arc. So, I mean, like you said earlier, with Darius Garland being the only guy who's your like real playmaker, it is. It would be nice to have a guy who could be like, "Hey, let me just give you this ball down low a few plays in the row and just see see what you mm-hmm. make happen out here." And I think having something like that could definitely kind of help nullify that hole at the small forward position for us. Because mm-hmm. it'd be like, "All right, now I got this guy who can defend and give me some just easy buckets to get the before the rest of the team can get hot and everything like that." Then it kind of can help us balance out a little bit more. So I think. Mm-hmm. At the ceiling of where I see Evan Mobley at could be more than where the ceiling we saw Jared Allen be at last year. Right. So I think he could be that enhanced, and now you're adding in Jared Allen on top of that, who's just who can be just behind all that and still be as dominant or as good as he was last year. So, I mean, it's just like adding on to what we already got at this point, which is only making things better and only pursuing more and more playoff, be playoff work. So before we move over to Memphis, Joaquin, I do want to get your thoughts on Evan Mobley as well because I think that I, I, I'm I going to go on a limb and say he's probably their most important player next year. I think his development in year two might actually be the most influential thing on whether they move forward and really take that second step into being a real playoff team, going from just being in the play-in tournament and falling just short to being able to win that big game and for them to be legitimate. Of course, there's a lot of injury factor stuff that – also should be considered when it comes to Cleveland. But I think that if Evan Mobley takes that next step up, I think that kind of the depth they have added this offseason, along with his increased ability, 
is going to put them in that position. But of course, that's the big question is what is can Evan Mobley take that next step? And what does that next step look like slash do for them? What are your thoughts on that in terms of Evan Mobley stepping to the next level? Mind you, this dude has been compared to like AD and Chris Bosh in the past. I don't know if he's going to take that kind of leap year two, but it is something to take in consideration. Can he get to those guys level? I say, yeah. Uh, will he next year? Probably not. But in terms of this team's projected success rate, he doesn't need to necessarily become AD or just like Chris Bosh overnight. Um, I think one more year underneath his belt gets him into that um, mindset or just like pretty much unlocking that like next phase of him will probably be after this season being a borderline all-star. I do think that this year he will be one in, in terms of borderline is showing those like flashes, but just like one more year after that, we literally showing like this guy can like le- legit ball. Um, mm. We just have to see how this roster meshes. And that is what a lot of stars, you know, as we can see with just like Victor Oladipo, once like he left OKC and then like he was in that situation with just like Indiana, he could really, really ball out. So it's just as like, how can he mesh in with these, you know, like younger cats in there? And can he truly, truly develop and just like maintain that like role that he has here? Um, but yeah, I mean, I see no problem with him expanding on it. And, um, and just like, as you said, like he was up there for just like rookie of the year. Um, I think that year two, he's going to, you know, give us a little bit better stats and just feel more, you know, comfortable in the league. So, so like I said, that's going to really solidify them at that fifth seed overall playoff wise is because, you know, he's going to take like another step. Not going to be a big, big leap, but just mm-hmm. a leap nevertheless in the right direction, you know, barring mm-hmm. anything, you know, crazy going on this like, season. Yeah, of course. And Tyler, not to even gas you up or anything, but I really think that Evan Mobley has the ability to step into like a, a second team all defensive caliber role like next year. Like sure. I feel like even if even if offensively he doesn't take any significant strides, I think that being able to already be a fluid defensive player that can step out on the perimeter as well as be a rim defender and he showed those good signs and in, in as a rookie, I feel like that sets him up really good progression-wise as an elite-level defender moving forward. So I think this is a guy that I'm just going to guess it now. He might at least be second-team all-defensive next year if if he, you know, continues at the pace that he's been on. But um, I kind of want to build off that last part that I said, which is continuing off of where we last saw you, right? And that's our way of getting to the last team of this discussion being the Memphis Grizzlies. This team has taken small stride after small stride for the last two seasons, right? They make the playoffs two years ago, and they lose in the first round to Utah, 4-1. Last season, they get to the second round, and they lose to Golden State in a valiant effort. I would argue that if John Morant wasn't injured, I think that series would have actually gotten a bit more competitive down the stretch. But we we saw towards the last two games of that, that series that things were a little bit murky in terms of like your real belief factor and like whether or not they could withstand what Gold State was working with. Nonetheless, this is a team that since acquiring John Morant in the draft has taken real steps towards being a real player in the Western Conference, not even just now, but moving forward. And 
I want to walk in. I'll start with you with this. And I, I feel like I ask this question a lot whenever I'm having conversations about the Grizzlies. And it's because I, this is no secret to anybody who knows me personally, but I am the biggest Derrick Rose fan you will ever meet. And something that John Morant always gives me cause to pause about, and I love him as a player, but it always, but one thing that always gives me something to think about is we've really only got to see the real Derrick Rose for about three years, Yeah, you know? And John Morant, as we saw in that postseason, like we talked about, like I just mentioned, John Morant is a guy with the play style that he has where he can be a bit of an injury prone player just based off his play style, right? Last season, this was a team. This was a team that was able to survive him missing uh, early stints of the season due to injury. This was also a team that was able to, you know, beat the Warriors by like what fifty or something crazy like that in a playoff game without Ja Moran on the floor. This is a team that clearly can hold up their end without Ja on the floor. But when you talk about maximizing this window that they have with a Ja Morant, it really makes me wonder. When does all of this internal development run out, right? Like, they continue to get guy after guy. Like, they're hyping up Kenneth Lofton, the big dude out of, you know, LMU who was balling out. And, you know, they, of course, have a lot of internal development with guys like Desmond Bain and so on and so forth. But they they have a lot of control over their roster. got a lot of interesting young pieces. They have their draft picks. And it makes me wonder, like, you know, they were in conversation for Kevin Durant as being a potential trade partner. And it does make me wonder, like, do you think this is a team that needs to make a big move to take that next step? We've seen them make the progression so far, but in order to be able to take that next leap into Western Conference Finals slash even NBA final status, do you think that this team is capped out from what we've seen already and that they need to make a move in order to really make that next leap? Or do you think the internal development is enough for them to continue on the trajectory they've been on? I feel as though is that their whole trajectory has been solid overall. Um, I think that they got one more big move push situation overall. Now you see how you alluded to the whole Derrick Rose situation and mm-hmm. basically compared it to jaw i do have those worries too because he is like a high flyer but sometimes injuries can also be like a blessing in disguise because like you see what the team did without him and they still maintain mm-hmm. that like you know a consistency so like i've seen these these guys ball out you know they have played good team basketball um dylan brooks ain't no joke you know like he really did you know like step in um once you get back you know all these guys healthy you know, I really do think that they're in that, I'm going to say, like, one through, like, four spot, generally speaking. You know, um, teams are only getting better every, every year, and I think that they are solid. I don't think that they need to make a big push in order to get a Kevin Durant because I think that the results would generally still still be the same. They would, they would only be, like, giving up some, like, you know, death in order to get him or just giving up, you know, draft picks that could potentially put them in a situation that could be sustainable. I mean, look at the Boston Celtics, you know, sticking with their young core and just like, you know, improving every single year like that. I think that if they hold on to what they got, if they can stay healthy, they can definitely make a push for the, you know, 
championship, you know, for the for the finals. That isn't necessarily far fetched and just like my head. But I do think that if they are um, in a win now mode, that they could theor- theoretically shot for. I'm not saying KD, but just some you know proven vets out there just to solidify that like depth in that team overall. You know, mm-hmm. I think that it would be foolish personally to just you know because of the asking price for like KD just to basically blow this whole thing for like like a win now situation you know you can get one ring now but if you play your like cards right and you have a consistent young like core you know you're, you're talking about more than one championship look at the warriors you know they had you know redefined this whole situation you know like given they got the money for it but you know <laughs> sticking with their you know core you know like still having these like you know younger pieces that way that the long long longevity of them being in that conversation of you know championship mentality i think that the grizzlies are in that good like space and and just you know every year i think that they're going to add just a little bit more like sauce to sauce into it and we could probably see them in the finals hopefully they don't win a ring before us you know the suns but i do hope that you know <laughs> that they can get there because like i do like uh you know and he has been been like balling out and i think that you know you know, I root for him more than I do Zion. You know, I think that I'm not saying that he is overhyped, but like we've we've seen Jaw, you know, ballad. We've seen more footage of him, you know, and I've seen more like flashes of him playing with that chip on his shoulder. So, you know, I do hope that they can get there to that promised land and 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 you know, get that ring because I do think that, you know, he deserves it if 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 they work as a team in order to get it. Yeah, so Tyler, I kind of want to build off of that by saying, like, you know, by saying this and then transitioning to you, like, Memphis has been in a really interesting spot because after the grit and grind era ended, it almost seemed like they didn't rebuild, they retooled with the drafting of John Morant, right? And since then, they've been able to acquire guys that are really able to fit, like, the skill set of John in terms of him being an elite passer, but also him just being a, a really strong playmaker. Uh, having Triple J completely healthy last year was obviously an aberration considering he's already injured now. Um, but I still think that this is a team that's going to be able to survive that kind of blow. Um, I transition this to, uh, to you like this by saying, you know, this asking the same question, like, do you believe that with the internal developments that they've made, again, you know, John Morant, one most improved player, but a lot of people made the argument that his teammate Desmond Bain should have won, including John Morant made the argument that his teammate Desmond Bain should have won most improved player. There's guys within their roster that I think took significant strides last year, like Zaire Williams, who was a rookie and was asked to play a lot of three position in the back half of the year. And he held his own legitimately and so on and so forth throughout that roster with what they've been able to develop internally and I want to kind of leave KD out of it because I think with you know with the news that he's pretty much you know locked in with the Nets now, it seems yeah. as though that's kind of not the one. But in terms of just the idea of making a big trade in general, do you think that the Grizzlies need to do that in order to make that next jump towards like the Western Conference Finals slash the Finals, or do you feel like the trajectory they've been on is enough for them to continue moving on up to that you know in that position you know? internally just based off how they've been already i think it depends on who you would be in bet at the end of the day mm. um like it depends it really depends on that player 
because I can see the situations where they keep their core and everybody's healthy and it just works because that they have a young core that just so happens to work really well together. But I mean, you tell me it's like if you can make a move to get Donovan Mitchell on this team. Now you have Ja, Donovan Mitchell, and potentially Jaron Jackson if he's not a part of that trade. Mm-hmm. That's a lot more realistic for a championship team to me, and that that sounds like a lot more of a championship team to me when I think about it, like on paper. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like, and it's like it's like, yeah, you would love to keep a guy like Desmond Bain around. You would love to keep a guy like Dylan Brooks around. You know, guys who can just kind of you can kind of fit and play with, mm-hmm. but. If you could get that, if you could get that star power to pair next to your already star power player, mm. it's like it's one of those moves. Kind of hard to say no to. Mm. So I mean, I could definitely see a world with both. You know, I, I mean, you can see the fantasy two K world where I do see I could see them going for somebody like Donovan Mitchell, but it's like one of those things. It's kind of hard to even see it until it actually happens. Right. Because it's like it's like, it was like even if it happened, you'd be like, damn. That, that really happened. Down the mission playing with John Rank right now. Right. No, I you're, think that's a great point. Like, I think that's a good point. Like, I think whoever they trade for has a lot to do with that because, again, with the kind of depth they have, how much they give up also has a lot to do with that, right? Because, yeah, the star caliber is. But, like, for example, I think that Donovan Mitchell is a good example. I think for uh, another one, and this wouldn't happen this season just because he just already signed the Supermax, but like I think Bradley Beal is an interesting circumstance when you talk about what he brings as a microwave score for them. And I call him microwave score like he's not a dude who almost averaged 30 two seasons mm-hmm. ago, but you know what I mean. He's a guy who can definitely fill it up, and he, having a guy like John Morant at the point guard position we've seen what Bradley Beal we, we, we haven't, I don't, actually I would argue we haven't seen what this version of Bradley Beal looks like next to an elite point guard. We've seen what he looks like next to an elite point point guard, a la back when John Wall was on the team. But I don't think we see we've seen what this version of Bradley is next to another elite level guard. So I think yeah. even that's an interesting play. So I don't want to push. I'm not trying to push the narrative that Memphis needs to make a trade. I'm not trying to push the narrative that they need to be in win now mode. But what I am trying to say is that when I look at, again, my favorite player, Derrick Rose, and I think about the idea that your window is only as open as your superstar's health allows, especially for a guy like this who has injury-prone tendencies just based off his play style, it does make you wonder how long are you able to ride out the development card before there comes a point where you got to make a real play before, you know, this window closes because, you know, Jaws too beat up or cannot really be the same type of player he, he wants to be long-term because of injury. So I, I think it's, it's one of those things with Memphis where I'm not trying to push a narrative, but I do think it's food for thought to wonder what they could, what they can and should do when you look at all the depth they have and all the young talent they have to dangle out as a potential trade option. We talked about this with Atlanta, you know, two seasons, two or three seasons ago when we were talking about like, okay, they've got all these nice draft picks and stuff. Maybe they should go after somebody to put next to Trey Young, you know, things like that. So um, I think it's really interesting to think about what this team looks like overall. Um, to close out the podcast, we're going to do something a little fun, kind of brief. We're not going to take too, too long to put this together, but I figured it'd be an interesting way to close off the Young Cores conversation. And that's by doing a top 25, a top uh, under 25 
year old draft. Basically, the rules are very simple. As long as the player is not 25 years old by the start of the season, their birthday could be the day before opening night. They still count. Um, essentially, as long as their player is under 25 years old, they're on the table. We're going to pretty much round robin this uh, where I'm going to go last. Um, I kind of made this determination just based off the fact of who got to the call sooner. I'm going to rock with Tyler to get the first overall pick. Joaquin got beat by playing FIFA. That's on him. He still got the second pick, though, nonetheless. And essentially what we're going to do is each of us are going to pick six players. Um, we're going to do a snake draft style. So, of course, we'll start with Tyler. We'll get to go to me. I'll have two picks by the time we get back to Tyler. You know, we'll be able to work it out. Again, we're getting six players each, five players to start, and one bench player. Positions do not matter. We're not doing the point guard through center thing. If you guys would love to build a roster out of that, of course, drop that in the comments down below of your top under 25 team. But for this one, we're kind of – your philosophy is your philosophy. You can pick fit. You can pick best player available. You can rock out however you want to do it. So, Tyler, you have the number one overall pick in this one. Who are we rocking with, man? The first pick, I'm going to go ahead and take Jason Tatum with the first pick. Oh, okay, okay. All right, so we 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 already starting out. We already starting out <laughs> spicy. Joaquin, you got you got the next uh, pick though, my boy. Honestly, I ain't gonna hold you. I was gonna pick Jason, but I'm gonna go with Luca, right there. Okay. I can't. Y'all know I can't be mad at it. I thought my boy Luca was gonna be the first one off the board to keep it a stack. I'm going to follow up by leaning with, again, uh, we just started, we just finished talking about him. He's the, you know, essentially the reincarnation of my favorite player. I'm going to take John Morant to start. And I think my second player after that, let's do the South Carolina connection, man. Let me get Zion too, man. Let's keep it a bean. Let's keep it a bean. Joaquin, we coming back to you. You got Luca on the squad already. Who we getting next? Uh. I'm gonna go with probably Trey Young. Right. Okay. Oh, buddy, you know that's a you know that's a talking point. These yeah. two these two's careers are mad connected as it is. We might have to talk about that at some point, man. We gotta <laughs> at some point we're gonna have to really take a look back at that draft class because that that draft class is looking more and more insane by the day. Right. Um, Tyler, you have two picks now going back to back. Uh, what what are your what's your first pick of the two? I'm going to take my next pick. I'm going to take Anthony Edwards. Ooh. I think and he's doing my next pick. I'm going to take Evan Mobley. That's a homer. Joaquin, that's a homer. That's a homer. <laughs> <laughs> that's a homer, man. Yeah, I had to make sure I got Evan on there somewhere. Make sure he didn't get his regardless. Nah, for sure. For sure. Ah, man. He took my man. Oh. All right, Joaquin. Who we got? I was thinking of Anthony Edwards for the team, but I'm going to go with, hmm, you know what? I'm going to go with Melo. Let me, let me go with, I ain't even going to hold you. you know? Oh, man. I'm going to that small forward or something. I don't know, man. I figured something out. Nah, this man Joaquin trying to get his team on, on ESP at top ten. He, he, <laughs> try, he trying to get some highlights oh, in. He trying to you trying to get some highlights in. Too. I'm trying to get some Shaq and the Fool highlights, too. Something. Hey, yo, it's wildin'. <laughs> All right, let me see. All right, I think the two guys I'm going to rock with. Ah, uh, Let me get Cade. Let me get Cade. I'm going to put my boy Cade at the two because I think he'll be a solid ball handler for real. 
And then, oh man, I just realized I'm kind of, what's up with this four spot? Let me get, ooh, let me get B.I., man. Let me, let me get B.I. I like the, I like the homie Ingram, man. All right, so I got four. We going back to Joaquin to get his fourth. Who we going with? Uh, I'm going to go with my guy that we just re-signed back for some strange reason, but I know the reason. I'm going to go with Aiden. Let me get my man Aiden up there real, real quick. Okay. Hey, bro, I, I think y'all got something with Aiden this year, bro. We're going to have to talk about the Suns too, man. I, I don't know. Now that my boy got his money, uh, you hey. know, he might get jiggy. Hey, you might get jiggy. Let's see. And then, um, Tyler, we are with you. Got three players right now. You got two picks back to back. Who we got? All right. Well, my first one, I'm gonna go with Jordan Poole. Okay. <laughs> what? Okay. Jordan Poole, and then I'm also go ahead and take. Uh, hmm. Okay, I like that pick though. I ain't gonna care. I'm gonna go ahead and take Jaron Jackson. Oh. All right, bet, bet, bet. So you still got you still you still got one bench player left. We're gonna get back to you with that one a little bit later. Joaquin, you have your fifth guy. This will be your last starter. Who you got for that? I'm gonna go with Scotty Barnes. Okay. He had to sure up that middle after all them guards, boy. Right, right. I was like, hold on. <laughs> he had to sure up that middle after all of them guards. <laughs> oh, man, I feel that, though. All right, so I got my last two picks. And I think, oh, the spacing is about to be nasty. It's about to be absolutely disgusting spacing, but we're going to see how it goes. Give me my boy, Bam. Let me get Bam as center for real. And then after that, oh man, there's no way I can't get I can't I can't not let this bro get let me get SGA off the bench, bro. There's no way in the world if SGA didn't get if Jeff SGA didn't get drafted, we was gonna have problems. So I, I'm gonna take him as my last guy. Um Joaquin, you have one player left, your bench guy. Who's that gonna be? Mm, uh There's still some picks left, man. I ain't it gonna lie. I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to think what I want to do. I feel like taking my man Tyler Maz with Jay with Jared Allen, but whole T. I'm looking for highlights, looking for buckets. Let me get my man. Actually, you know what? Wait, nah. Let me get Jalen Green. No way. Okay. I told you he tried to get the. I told you he tried to get the ESPNs. Uh, uh, man, I was thinking of Darren Fox the whole T. Low key. I can't blame you though, bro. Cause I mean, that's another dude. That's another dude who I think is due for a season. He's kind of in a make or break year too. If we keep right. it a buck, I think that now they didn't put they didn't put him in a position where like, all right, we got to start. Y'all ain't got to make the playoffs, but y'all got to start looking like y'all on the trajectory to make the playoffs. Neither that's neither here nor there. Tyler, you got the last pick, bro, to fill things out for your bench. Who's gonna be the last guy you grab? My last guy I'm gonna grab is gonna be. I'm gonna go ahead and make it Jonathan Kuminga. Oh, yeah, the young, okay. young, the young Buccaneer. 
He had to get that. He had to. He had to get somebody that's gonna. I think. I think somebody that's gonna be a lot more important to this Warriors team this upcoming season. After you know last year being kind of something slight last year, you know being a highlight reel. But I think next year they're gonna add or this upcoming season they're gonna ask him uh, to do a little bit more. I think he's gonna become a little bit more important with every single season. Some interesting guys to note that were not drafted: the homie DG for the Cavs. Not picked up. Tyrese Halliburton, not picked up. Desmond Bain. These are a couple of guys that we actually ended up talking about today. De'Aaron Fox, like Joaquin mentioned earlier. John Collins, Tyrese Maxey. There's a handful of guys. R.J. Baird. There's a handful of dudes that didn't get drafted. So with that being said, we got our six set up. Uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, you can check out the squads on the on the t on the on on the screen. Um, if you're listening to this in podcast form, I'm going to read out the teams for you real quick just so you know what squads we're working with. So for Tyler, he's got Jason Tatum, Anthony Edwards, Evan Mobley, Jordan Poole, Jaron Jackson Jr., and Jonathan Kaminga. For Joaquin, he's got Luka Doncic, Trey Young, LaMelo Ball, DeAndre Ayton, Scotty Barnes, and Jalen Green. For me, I have John Morant. Zion Williamson, Kay Cunningham, Brandon Ingram, Bam Adebayo, and Shea Gilgis Alexander. So with that being the case, leave your comment section, comments in the section down below. Let us know whose team, who drafted the best squad. And if you're not feeling any of our teams, drop your top six, man. Drop your six and let us know what's up. Don't cheat. Rock with us a little <laughs> bit and see. Maybe pick somebody from the group that we didn't, that we still have left over, and let me know what's up with you guys' top five. But with that being the case, we're going to close out the Knockdown J podcast by being able to let the fellas take the floor. Whether or not you guys want to plug podcast material or just social media stuff, Joaquin, I'll start with you. Anything you want to plug for the people to be able to find you guys, find you on social media? Uh, well, I do have a gaming channel, man. It's called A1 Gaming, Ichigo Gaming. Uh, you could definitely look that up on just like YouTube. Uh, me and Tyler also, we have our own podcast going on. It's called Chef and Guac, another podcast. We've been on a little you know, hiatus right now, you know, everybody's just been moving around trying to trying to get stuff situated. So it is a good time to start back up with that, given that, you know, NFL seasons coming up, NBA seasons definitely about to be coming up. So, you know, a lot of good, good content about to be, you know, made. You can also check us out on just like YouTube as well. Chef and Guac the podcast. Yes, sir. And Tyler, same thing with you, man. Uh, you can continue to either pro- uh, promo the podcast or, you know, also throw in there the socials where they can find you online. I mean, you can definitely find me on Chef and Walk the Podcast when we get back into doing that. And then I also got my own YouTube channel I'm trying to get back started on, More Cooking. And you can also find me on Instagram at More Cooking as well. So that's really it for me. Yes, sir. So I appreciate you fellas for coming on. Obviously, their handles as well as the podcast are going to be in the link down uh, in the description. Definitely give the podcast a listen. Get a little bit of preview of how they kind of rock out. Because I think with this upcoming NBA season and the NFL season, bro, we're going to have to talk football offline for sure. But with the way this upcoming season is coming, you guys are going to have a lot of content to definitely be able to work with. So it's going to be fun to see you guys get back in front of the camera. But with that being the case, I really appreciate you guys for listening. And until next time. Peace out. Yes, sir.